Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Calling us from the great northeast state of Maine, Ms. Patrick W. Shaver on the Law Enforcement Show. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Hey, thanks for having me back, Jay. I really appreciate being able to come back on. We've had you on several times. Patrick, by the way, is a former police officer. He may be getting back in law enforcement. He became a filmmaker because he thought, and we'll talk about that in a moment, he thought he could do a better job than some of these indie documentary people. Turns out he's right. And he's produced many, many films. What is the name of your company? Uh, My company's name is Indie Clever Media. And you started basically with the film Officer Involved. Was that your first? Yeah, that was my first. I actually started the company so that I could keep my film production legitimate as I started to make that film. And that was back, I think, in what, 2017? No, that was 2013, actually. Wow. Um, we started the company in 2014, but I actually started doing the work for Officer Involved in 2013. It's hard to believe right now, looking back. It is, and because I had you on a show in 2017 to talk about it, and I remember, if my memory is correct, which it often is not, it took you a couple of years to make Officer Involved. It did, yeah. I started Officer Involved when I was a full-time police officer with the Atlanta Police Department, and I can say that now because I'm no longer with the Atlanta Police Department. Of course, there's, there's policies that you represent yourself and not the department, and I had to navigate those while I was there. But yeah, I was a full-time Atlanta cop when I started making that documentary, and I had no idea 
what was going to happen with my life and my film projects and everything else. It's really taken off. We've had Patrick on the show multiple times. He's been on talking about Officer Involved. He was on talking about a, a project we did called Cops and Cabins, where a bunch of uh, active and retired police went to Blue Ridge, Georgia. He filmed it, did a phenomenal job. Also, we had you on for Saving a Hero's Place. That was a great film that I saw from you and the last one we talked about was Dean Keller uh, which also had his father on in a separate show by the way where can people get more information about all your films so they can visit officerinvolvedproject.com and of course right now you can go to Amazon iTunes or Google Play and watch Dean Keller Okay, and Dean Keller, by the way, for those who've not been involved in law enforcement, everybody that's got into law enforcement, was it, what, when was he killed? That was 1998. 1998, so everybody after 1998 saw video uh, of Kyle Dean Keller, who was a deputy, I believe it was in South Carolina? That was in Georgia. Georgia, and he was shot and killed in a traffic stop, and uh, everybody in policing has seen that film and training and yearly in-service training and when they hear the real story behind everything i think it's enlightening and in particular talking with his dad kirk uh, was just an eye-opening experience and great guy by the way and i don't want to get lost in that conversation because it'd be very easy to do uh, we're here to talk about two things you've got a new film called composite and also amazon is doing something that's not surprising in this day and age where they're making your video officer involved no longer available for sale on their platform. Am I correct? Yeah. So officer involved, when that film came out, that, uh, that came out in 2017 and we got it put up on iTunes, Google play, uh, Vimeo as well. And Amazon. And it's, it's been doing pretty well. A, a lot of people have been watching it through Amazon. And when Dink Heller was released, we wanted people to be able to find officer involved in Dink Heller. And of course, this was coming out um, midsummer about the time that there was really a lot of uh, negative feelings towards police officers in our country. So we took steps to make it so that people could see officer involved for free on Amazon. And within a couple days of doing that, it was actually pulled down. And we got a message saying essentially that it's, it's now pending a review from Amazon, and I, I pressed them for information as to, you know, can you explain this to me? What kind of review is it going through? It's been here for three years. It's it's clearly been reviewed before, and people have been able to find it. And uh, I really wasn't getting an answer, so I, I probably took six to eight emails before I was told that um, it has in fact been uh, pulled down. And um, at this time, it's not eligible for republication. So I pushed a little bit more and I'm going, I'm just going to read the quote exactly as they, they put it up here. Unfortunately, due to our regulations, we can't provide you with details on the exact factor of why this title is pending as there are multiple combinations determined by automated and manual processes. These may include factors such as not being appropriate under today's social conditions, such as pandemic or BLM related issues. Again, we're sorry. We can't provide reasons. We apologize for the inconvenience. Now, the truth is, your film, Officer Involved, has nothing to do with BLM. That came out way before the, the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, we actually started doing interviews for Officer Involved before the events took place in Ferguson. And, and Jay, we intentionally didn't want to get into 
race factors. I say that very carefully because we did talk about the Cincinnati incident and officer involved, but we also brought in the reverend who was integral to the social movement taking place at the time. But officer involved is about what happens after the shooting. We didn't want to make it about the shooting itself because there's just so much to unpack in such a small amount of time. If I recall correctly, what you really focused on was the emotional impact on the people involved. And you really, you went out of your way to, to not say whether the shootings were justified, legal, or even got into that part of the conversation. You focused solely on what happened to the, the, the participants afterwards. Yes, uh, exactly. We, we got into family, media, going back to work, religious issues, PTSD, and allowed the officers to essentially speak for themselves about their issues. And, and one of the things, Jay, whenever I show officer involved, I encourage people to write down the names of the officers that are on the screen or, or ask me for the names if you didn't catch them. And you can look up their cases because what I really chose to do through that work was to advocate for the humanity of the officer after the shooting. As someone who's been in police work, and you were too, but as someone who has been involved in multiple officer-involved shootings, uh, unfortunately, everybody survived. The first two, contrary to what you would hear in the media, I did not even return fire. Uh, second two were totally different affairs. Even though everyone survived, no one was seriously injured, it had a huge devastating impact on me and i appreciate what officer involved did for that reason this is law enforcement show we're talking with patrick shaver from indie clever media former law enforcement officer and documentary filmmaker catch all the episodes of law enforcement today show as a podcast for free do a google search for law enforcement today podcast or just go to letradioshow.com click the be heard tab and you'll find us right there don't go anywhere we'll be right back finally our heroes have access to world-class program for ptsd anxiety depression and more the help for our heroes program at transformations treatment center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse addiction co-occurring mental health disorders and ptsd plus they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today show is brought to you by Mr. James Mather from Synergy Financial. Did you know that 30% of American households say they lack life insurance and 20% of households with children under age 18 are uninsured? As a former law enforcement officer, James Mather will always have your back. For free information about insurance, retirement, college funding strategies, and more, go online to mrjamesmather.com, spelled M-R. J-A-M-E-S-M-A-T-H-E-R.com. Again, that's Mr. James Mather.com. 
back to our conversation with Patrick Shaver from Indy Clever Media and also a former law enforcement officer on the Law Enforcement Today's show. Patrick, how many films have you made now? Uh, I was counting this morning. I, I think I've made seven documentaries or nine documentaries, depending on how you define them. But I've also made a handful of short films as well. And by the way, you'll find me in a couple of them. One would be Cops and Cabins. Uh, go to IndieCleverMedia.com. I'm in that one. Uh, same with Robert Greenberg and a bunch of other great folks. And I think you had me do some voiceover for one about Follies Island or something like that. Yeah, Folly Beach. They, I, so when I left the Atlanta Police Department, I went part-time at Folly Beach Police Department, South Carolina. Um, I moved to be closer to family. They had me do a recruitment series for them. So one of them was just sort of a, a mashup of old intros to police TV shows and movies and things like that. And I got really creative. And Jay, you were awesome. You nailed the part. The opener for Law & Order, you nailed it. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, I appreciate money that I do more more than compliments, but thanks very, very much. Uh, <laughs> when uh, we, we're, We'll turn our conversation with Officer Involved later on, but, but right now I want to focus on your latest film, and by the way, you've done a lot of police-related films, and you've done some films that were non-law enforcement-related. I believe one that you did was about building something in Charleston, South Carolina. What was that one called? Oh, oh that's a great film. That one, um, so I've got two types of projects that I work on. I, I work on my police-related projects, which I, I put under the title of officer-involved project films, and then... Um, anybody else can bring me in and I will help them make a documentary. And College of Charleston contracted me to, to help them make a documentary about the slaves or the enslaved people that helped build the campus and were integral to building the early college. And, and that was that was a really, really deep documentary. We're, we're actually putting some finishing touches on it right now and they're going to decide what they do with that. Do me a favor. If you can like manage to sneak me a link by email so I can check that out, I'd love to see it because there's so much of American history and people involved that don't get the kind of limelight and spotlights they deserve. And I have a strong suspicion that's the case with that film. Oh, I, I agree 100%. There's, we, we could talk for hours about contributions of enslaved African-Americans to the College of Charleston. And um, But what I do want to say is, is the amazing thing is that the college has taken steps to address these. They're sharing them. They're very well organized now, and it became another feature-length documentary. Kudos to them. Please tell them I said thank you very much for doing that. And speaking yeah, of absolutely. shedding limelight, a spotlight on people who don't often get a lot of attention, your most recent film, which I watched, by the way, and if I had three thumbs up, I'd give them to you. It's called Composite. And basically, it's a story about a mother-daughter composite artist uh, working for, is it Georgia Bureau of Investigation? Yes, that's it. What a great story. What great characters they were. I don't think you could hire the world's best actors and, and have them portray the depth of character these two women have. It's just not humanly possible. Great people doing great things. What would you like to tell us about that film? Well, composite, it was a fun story to tell because it was really my first documentary where I was stepping away from police work per se and focusing on something else within law enforcement. But when I, when I started making that film, I wanted to, to make a film about these women who bring to life the demons that exist only in the victim's memory because a composite sketch artist helps you draw someone who victimized you. 
for, for the most part. They also will help draw uh, people who have been recovered and they're trying to identify a body and things like that. But my focus was to be to draw the, the suspects. And as I started telling the story and putting it together, that wasn't there. But what was there was a very, very interesting mother-daughter story. So it became an, essentially an all-female documentary that focused on the mother-daughter story and their contributions to, to crime victims. And the funny thing about it is, in the interactions between the mother and the daughter, who, by the way, both do phenomenal composite yeah. sketch work uh, of suspects and people just check them out you'll see them there they are great but what struck me was the way the mom and her personality the way she taught her daughter you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of my dad teaching me like auto mechanics it reminded me of like we i tell people look we grew up poor and any repairs had to be done around the house we did so here's something that happened all the time He'd say, hold the, hold the flashlight so I can work in the car. And if you move the flashlight, you got yelled at, you know? Or he'd say, here, I got this board in the right position, but I don't have the right tool. Don't let it move. And he'd go to the garage, get the tool, yeah. you come back, you're like, oh no, it slipped. And you're, you get chewed out. That's kind of what I got when I watched Composite in the interaction between mother and daughter. Yes, it's exactly like that. See, when uh, the mother was the first ever sketch artist for the state of Georgia when the GBI created the position, and she couldn't find anybody to replace her in retirement. But her daughter, who had grown up around her mother being a composite artist, had this natural ability to draw faces. And it happened over a conversation at dinner. Mom said, can you still draw a face? And then the daughter picked up the torch where mom left it off. And, and there's, I think there, there's a big sense of humor in this film that hasn't been in my other films because of that mother-daughter relationship. Mom's not afraid to tell the daughter how she feels. And it's easy to think, as we had this conversation, that the daughter be beaten down and, and belittled and subservient. She's not that kind of person at all. But mom is a strong figure, and daughter in her own right is a very strong figure as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, there's, there's a very difference. There, there's a very big difference in their personalities, whereas mom sort of has this, this very dry sense of humor, whereas the daughter is, is following the mom's footsteps and, and trying to be professional. And she is, by the way, she's an astute professional at what she does. But that's where the sense of humor lies, is, is the divergence in their personalities. The name of the film is Composite. I highly encourage everyone to check it out. Is it available for, for purchase and viewing now? Not just yet. We're trying to figure out where it goes next, but it did win a couple awards, which is really great for any one of my films to be recognized like that. One of the things, my first, maybe it's the, the police part of me. I don't know. But when I hear sketch artists or composite artists, I always think back where we get sketches and he handed out a roll call. This person is wanted for questioning for a homicide, blah, 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 blah. blah. And when the person was caught a couple months later, they looked nothing like the sketch. I mean, it's like they were drawing Popeye and the suspect was Bluto. It just was not even remotely close. Yeah. The artwork these women do, uh, you have to watch a film and, and see for yourself the drawings they do. It's as if the person that's being described to them comes alive on a sheet of paper. That's all i tell you. We're talking about composite we are speaking with Patrick Shaver, former law enforcement officer and film documentary maker. This is Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Don't miss the huge Back to Blue and First Responders Parade and Rally in beautiful Key West, Florida, Friday, January 8, 2021. Active and retired law enforcement officers and other first responders from all over the U.S. and the world, bagpipers and more, will all be at the great Back to Blue and First Responders Parade and Rally in Key West, Florida, Friday, January 8, 2021. Get more details on the Facebook group, Back to Blue and First Responders. That's Back to Blue and First Responders group on Facebook. And get more details here on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. We love bringing you the Law Enforcement Today Show. People say, I can't get it on a station near me. Never fear. You can listen to the show as a podcast for free. Just go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, you'll find us there. Or do a Google search for a Law Enforcement Today podcast. Be sure to subscribe today. Remember, it's free. Return conversation with Patrick Shaver, former law enforcement officer, Atlanta Police Department, Follies Beach, South Carolina. Is there another agency I, I missed somewhere in that mix? So Atlanta PD, and then I went to Folly Beach, and I'm still to this day a reserve deputy in Virginia. There you go. And I don't want people to get the impression that, that Patrick is some sort of traveling nomad law enforcement officer. Uh, his primary focus now is being a dad and also uh, being a filmmaker. And and also, you may be getting back into law enforcement as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm giving it some serious thought. I, I don't want to spoil anything that may or may not be out there right now, but I'm hopeful to be able to return to service in some capacity. For whatever department that considers hiring you, I can tell them this. They would be getting a great police officer, a great law enforcement officer, and a great human being that could that help the community in many, many ways. And you know, to be honest with you, Patrick, that's the reality of what of our law, a lot of our law enforcement people are. They come from all walks of life. They're not this stereotypical police that we see in Hollywood that people seem to, to follow and, and believe as gospel truth. And the news media takes it and activists take it and they use that as a way of, of bolstering their arguments that we're some sort of brutal, violent group of people. Uh, that, that's absolutely not the truth. But I, I don't want to get distracted from that conversation. Back to our conversation about the film composite. How did you get the motivation to do this film? Well, I was... Um I was on the road for officer involved. As you remember, we, we took that on the road and we started showing it around the country. Um, any department that would bring us in, I took a leave of absence from the Atlanta Police Department to do that and then lived in a trailer with my wife and my six-month-old son at the time for a year as we showed it around the country. We had gotten about three-quarters of the way through that and I was looking uh, at projects to do next. And I wanted to do something interesting because I don't want to make the same film twice. If a ton of effort and work and hours is going to go into these projects, I want to do something different. And it, it hit me that I, I knew of this sketch artist that worked with the Atlanta Police Department, and I couldn't, I couldn't find a documentary that had been done about sketch artists, especially from that angle of uh, let's, let's find these people that have, that have turned these people into victims. And so I reached out to a friend who put me in contact with the sketch artist, and she said, yeah, let's do it. I didn't realize 
what role her mother was going to play. When I, when I reached out to her, I didn't actually know that her mom was the original sketch artist for the state of Georgia. That came next. It's a lot of history, that film. Because if I recall correctly, the mom started with the Atlanta Police Department, but she first started like as a clerk. Yeah, she was a records clerk for the Atlanta Police Department. And um, one of the lieutenants came to her one day and said, we've got this guy in the morgue. Can you draw his face so we can put something out to the public and get him identified? And that started the mother's career. And then she's now retired, and she's one of the foremost yeah. authorities in the United States, if not the world, on composite sketch artists. She is. Um, Marla, that's the mother's name, Marla. She, she is recognized throughout the world and, of course, throughout um, the sketch artist world, forensic artistry. And then there's another one whose sketch did appear in the film. Her name is Lois Gibson, and she's the one who has the record in Guinness Book of World Records for the most forensic sketches. Well, I'm glad you got motivated to do that. And by the way, I, I was listening to the radio on the way to the radio station today, which I don't always do. And they were talking with someone who, a, an artist in the media, let's just say they created films like you do. And he said, you constantly have to be reinventing yourself and, and improving yourself and working on different projects. Because, for example, no matter how great a songwriter you are, you can't write the same song all the time. Times change, people change, and the interests change. Uh, so when you said, I don't want to do the same films all the time, man, did that resonate. Yeah, yeah, th that's the truth of making a documentary. You can get caught up really easily in just saying, well, this worked, let me do this again. Um, but but I don't, I don't want to reinvent the wheel from one project to the next. I want to show something that's, that's moving that people haven't seen before. So I'm constantly looking for niches within law enforcement to make a film about. You one of the things that you did when we worked on the project Cops and Cabins, which I want to do again, I, and some of the spots I want to do it in are Key West, Florida, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, uh, maybe up in Maine, somewhere. I think one of the things you really did well that a lot of people might be surprised about is how you captured the humanity of those involved because they're all police and we all came from different walks of life, different departments. Yeah. Some were re retired with severe injuries, some were not. And you were able to show them, and I hate this term because it's so overused, you humanize the people behind the badge. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that was because we got to hang out for the entire weekend. And I joke sometimes that you guys probably thought I was a little antisocial because I was constantly behind the camera. And to me, when I'm behind the camera, I'm, I'm working. I know you and I have talked about that before. But as I hung out with you guys and we interacted together, I really got to see and understand everyone's personalities as well as their histories. So when it came time for the question and answer part, which became a significant part of the film, I, I actually got to, to bring those things up and relive some of the experiences that I had captured on camera. It was a lot of fun. That was one of my favorite films to make, one of my favorite short films to make because there's such a, an endearing sense of humor in that film. And what you did was, if you look at police, if you went and just did a screenshot or a, a five-minute video of any scene of any police department in the United States, you would see people behaving the same way. They looked the same. They were the same uniform. Uh, the joke was, in my department, what did they also look like? Oh, yeah, brown, blonde hair, a mustache. He was a white guy. I'm like, well, that could be 90% of the department time. And, and now the big thing is, he's got a shaved head. That seems to be the, the trend. But... What you would get is this image of everybody being the same. And what you 
I actually miss, a lot of people don't see, is that you have individuals that are from all walks of life doing this job. And one of the things I take great exception to is this term systemic and or implicit. Uh, that when, Look at systems in police departments, for example. They're made up of individuals. They're all different. Every one of them has their own moral compass. They don't abandon that just because they put on a badge and a uniform. And it's not system-wide. I don't know how to get it through to someone that it's not systemic. It's the people that betray it that way who believe it. The reality is far different. Right, right. And you mentioned people that portray it that way. And what I would say is that the police officers that are doing bad things are betraying the job and betraying their training and betraying their moral compass. Or maybe they're showing us their moral compass and something that has gotten completely through backgrounds. But that's a whole another field that could, that could be a conversation you could take forever and ever uh the, the old saying is nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop and i'll be honest with you i will defend police to my last dying breath uh they're some of the best people i've ever worked with i've ever known uh they come from every walk of life and the joke is back in the 1980s when i started we had police officers male female gay lesbian muslim jewish Asian, Caucasian, black, it didn't matter. And no one ever cared. We didn't care one bit what your background was. We cared about how you did the job. If you handled your responsibilities, and if I needed help, you'd show up. You didn't have to be a giant. You didn't have to be Mr. Kung Fu fighter. You just had to be able to grab a hand and do what needed to be done. We're talking with Patrick W. Shaver from Indie Clever Media. He's a former police officer, uh, the filmmaker. He's made many documentaries, the latest which is called Composite. Uh, we can get more information at IndieCleverMedia.com. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. This is Law Enforcement Show. Don't quite anywhere. We'll be right back. In the podcasting world, there's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories. Don't believe me? Check. There's hundreds of them. But very few tell the stories of the heroes that fight horrific crime. Whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens. So, we decide to rectify that. We tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters podcast. That's right. It's called True Crime Fighters podcast. Do Google search. Subscribe today. Each episode is no longer than 15 minutes long. Also, be sure to search for and like us on Facebook. Search for True Crime Fighters podcast. If you haven't done so already... Please download our app. It's 100% free. We got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Be sure to get yours today. Back to our conversation with Patrick Shaver on the Law Enforcement Day Show. By the way, you can check out Patrick's works his documentary films at indiecleverMedia.com. Uh, he is a former Atlanta, Georgia police officer. Uh, he may be going back to the law enforcement now, and he's also a great documentary maker, and I, I think a pretty good guy. When I say good guy, to be honest with you, I like hanging out with Patrick, and uh, I consider him a friend, although I haven't seen him in a long time. Isn't it true 
you have a Buffalo connection, is that correct? I do have a Buffalo connection. And um, before I get into that real quick, I just want to clarify, IndieClever.com. IndieClever. Indie the company. IndieClever.com, correct. Now, you are originally from South, from Western New York, is that what it is? Well, I'm originally from Northern New York, and then I went off to Western New York um, to follow my girlfriend at the time, who became my fiance and now my wife, and we've been married 10 years. We've been together 19. I, yeah, I forget. But I went to UB, graduated from the university at Buffalo, and then she followed me down to Atlanta so I could get my master's degree. Phenomenal. He's got a master's degree and he's a cop. And you also miss out on another part of this. You spent part of your formative years in college uh, being educated in Dublin, Ireland. I did. I was a sociology student in college uh, because I was really interested in social systems, how people interact with each other. A lot of psychology in there, too. Um, but I was a little bit bored with college, and I signed up for a study abroad program and went over to Ireland. That was an experience. I got to tell you, I made my first trip to Ireland. My grandparents immigrated from Ireland. Dublin, as big as it is, it's like a million and a half people. It's a big city. I never once felt like I felt in the United States. I never felt the threat of violence anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I believe that year they had something like 70 or 75 homicides for a population of 4.75 million people in the country. And they were up in arms at that. And I said, Baltimore that time had like 300 and change with 660,000 wow. people. And the, the the difference in the amount of violence in that country and in pockets of our country is like literally night and day. And I don't I don't understand why. Yeah, we are a violent country, aren't we? We are. And it's not just people love to say well it's about guns. We need more gun control. Look, you can believe that all you want. Gun is a mechanism for Violence. If you use, if someone chooses to do it that way, it doesn't make someone automatically violent. And a great example is, what's the old stereotypes about the Irish? And I laugh at these. We drink too much and we fight. All right. So, look, people can take with that what they want, do what they want. But for a group of people who supposedly are so violent, there's a lot less violence than there is here. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing when you look at... Uh, how violent we are as a country. And this is one of the things that police officers are facing every day that they're out there. They're the, in, and not every officer is going to be dealing with this, but police officers are experiencing some of the worst acts of violence in this country that you, someone at home may not even hear about. And, and better yet, they can't even comprehend. And I'm glad, like my wife now, I met her years after retiring, and I don't talk a lot about police work. I don't talk a lot mm-hmm. about what I've been through. Over the years, she's gotten to know some of the things. And Literally, she is aghast and shocked when I tell her some of the stories of what what I encountered. Yeah, yeah, it's horrific when you see the things that people do to each other and, and fits of rage and anger, and especially to people that they love in fits of rage. You you know you never lose those things; they stay with you. And some of those things follow me too to this day. I still think about um, some of the people that I couldn't help. I think those are the ones that would keep us up at night. And I don't want to be melodramatic, but I don't lose sleep over successful apprehensions of, of bad guys. It's the ones I couldn't get. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, to be honest with you, it's the, and this maybe is going back to your film, Officer Involved. It's, I sometimes, it's not often now, but sometimes lose sleep over what ifs and how close it came to being a really, really bad outcome. It was bad enough. But it could have been much worse. At the time, I thought it's because I was really good at what I did. 
Now I realize mm-hmm. it's not. And it's not the grace of God. It's not, because some of the guys I know got killed, they were they were better police than me. They had yeah. God in their life as well. And I can't I can't make rhyme or reason out of it. I can't. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. And of course, think about all the situations that you came really close to, let's just say, pulling the trigger and then didn't, and how yeah. quickly that circumstance changed. You think about those times too. And every now and then I'll, I'll write an article. Quite often they're anonymous. Uh, go to letradioshow.com. You'll see them there. And the the response I get, especially on social media, is, oh, that's copaganda. When it doesn't meet the limited mindset of what people have, that all cops are killers and violent, and that we don't do that all the time, which the truth is we don't, even when it's justified, it's copaganda. Have you encountered that at all in your policing career or in your life afterwards in filmmaking? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll occasionally, I've had, I've had people call officer involved propaganda. And my first thing that I say back to them is it can't be propaganda because first of all, propaganda gets funded. Um, but, uh, this happens. This happens in anything that tends to show law enforcement in a human portrayal. It's almost counter narrative. So it gets delegitimized as a counter narrative. Since the main narrative is that police are killers, heavy handed, insert whatever negative thing you want to say about them. The truth is most police officers actually show more restraint, but there's no way for us to quantify that restraint that we show. We don't keep track of restraint. No, and and we don't talk about the good things we do, and we didn't start doing that. I always say this, these lip sync videos and dancing cop videos that supposedly were to win hearts and minds and all that stuff really didn't help much. And and I believe part of the reason why is because we don't celebrate the heroics of our officers with, oh, just doing my job. I was in the right place at the right time. No, some of these people are flat out heroes, and they need to be celebrated as such. But with other industries, other occupations, we don't do that with doctors. We don't do it with nurses. We don't do it with lawyers. We certainly don't do it with politicians, even though it's probably justified more so than police. With educators in school systems, with, with teachers that abuse sexually kids or members of the clergy or scouts, we don't do that with those. But people tend to buy it and believe it when it comes to police work. Right. Yeah, there's this. there's this line of thinking that because police officers are provided um, and paid for by the state that they are then representative of the state so that people do have more freedom to judge them because they represent the state and the government but police officers are really just the most accessible form of the government people tend to forget that it's just a regular person in uniform like the uh, the woman who was ambushed with her partner LASD she was a librarian before she joined the department. Saw the video of her actions afterwards where this woman had been shot in the face, I believe twice. Uh, her jaw was totally ruined and blood all over the front of her uniform shirt. And she's trying to radio in to dispatch what happened and taking time to save and put a tourniquet on her partner and save his life and still maintain a presence of mind to look for potential threats at the same time. I got to tell you, I, I was astounded by how she behaved and her heroics afterwards. Yeah, she was fantastic. Her and her partner, when they got out there, when they took care of each other, um, when they called for help, um, absolutely heroic. And unfortunately, this mindset, this anti-police 
I, I hate the term police anti-police sentiment. Actually, I think it's far more devious than that, and it's far more politically motivated than that, but that would just be speculation on my point, uh, has led to things like your film, Officer Involved, being, for lack of better words, delisted on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, I'm even using the word censored now. I know you know that I was careful um, in the first few weeks of dealing with this issue to classify it as censorship, but once I got the email about social issues, I can't th- think of anything else to call it but censorship. And it really bothers me. I-, I was recently showing the film. I just got back last night from Florence, Alabama, where the Criminal Justice Students Association put on a screening of Officer Involved and had me speak. And I told the audience afterwards that this film has been pulled from Amazon. The, the question is, why? That doesn't-, that doesn't make any sense. For people who have never seen it, where can they see it now so they can be the judge? Sure, you can see it on iTunes, you can find it on Google Play, and you can go to officerinvolvedproject.com slash streamoi, and you can just rent it to stream right through our website, and you can watch the entire film. Patrick Shaver, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. As always, very much appreciated. Oh, thank you so much, Jay. It's, it's great to come back. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. I've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.